We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, guys, excited to have a guest on today, uh, Chris Kirshner from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chris Kirshner. Uh, Going to talk all things Aaron Judge, Yankees offseason, roster construction, the, the crazy amount of money that's being spent in baseball right now. Chris, man, welcome. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, obviously, big topic. Uh, Aaron Judge is back. He's back. He's he's uh, hasn't been named captain yet, but I think that's going to be coming up at some point in the near future. Um, whether the near future is weeks, months, or or, or year, who knows? But uh, it seems like he's slotted to be the guy because now you know he's got the contract that takes him um, to be a Yankee for forever. He's he's the guy, which is which is great. That's I think what the fan base. Was, wanted is what the it's what the team needed to do it's they they had to close this deal um you wrote a really really in, you know compelling i think a really interesting article um called inside the yankees stressful day that led to aaron judge's return so i'd like to start there actually and and kind of have you just talk a little bit about that because the things that you covered inside this article i thought were really intriguing but um off the top What's one of the things coming from that that you were surprised to hear, I guess, based on on how the day went down? 
Well, um, when John Heyman tweeted Arson Judge is going to the <laughs> Giants, um, the Yankees were very confused. Um, they believed that they were still in the race. When that happened, uh, there was panic for about 10 minutes before Heyman clarified that he wasn't, in fact, going to the Giants. But after that, um, up until the early morning hours, Pacific time, this, this was back you know, during winter, winter meetings, which were in San Diego. But for like the next 12-ish hours, like the Yankees thought they were done. Like they, they didn't think that he was coming back. They knew that Heyman is a very credible reporter and he didn't get that from, you know, this guy. Like he heard that from somebody. He wouldn't have said it otherwise. Obviously, he jumped the gun, but that's, that's beside the point. But the, the Yankees, top to bottom, they thought that he was out. Um, they had learned very, very late in the evening that um, he was flying into San Diego and meeting with the team. That team obviously turned out to be the Padres. Padres had offered, they, they didn't officially offer, but they were willing to go to $400 million dollars. Um, and at that time when it seemed like they, he was slipping away from them, uh, Aaron Boone got on the phone with judge. They both, they, both of them have a a close relationship with, with the other one. Um, when Boone got off the phone with judge, even at that point, Boone said that he wasn't really sure if he was coming back. And then Hal Steinbrenner, who was in Italy vacationing at the time, he jumped on the phone with, with Judge, asked him straight up, like, you know, do you want to be a Yankee? Judge, like, throughout the process, even when he was talking with other teams, Padres that, that, on that final day, and then the Giants throughout, um, he, he expressly said throughout the process that he did want to be a Yankee. He said it publicly to the media. And then privately, because um, sometimes it's different. Sometimes guys say two different things publicly and privately, but even privately, he was saying that he wanted to be a Yankee. Uh, the Giants at the time were in at around $360 million, which is obviously what he ended up signing for. But once Hal um, you know, was willing to match the Giants' offer at $360 million, it was a done deal, and, and Judge was a Yankee. But... Um, I was in San Diego for winter meetings and I think around like 1 a.m. I was drunk. Another uh, person was drunk. Um, but I saw him in, in the lobby. Was it the John hotel. Heyman? <laughs> it was not John Heyman. Okay. Uh, John was around. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I saw the Yankees official and like, you know, how's it going? And then like, he just like stormed off. It was like pretty effing stressful day. Um, Again, like they they didn't think that um, he was coming back until like the literal last second before it was done. Um, and obviously, everything is great now. He's going to be a Yankee for life, as you said. You know that hearing that is a little crazy to me, to be honest. It's it's because you you would think throughout this process, and I understand. You know, I think the way that it went down before the season started was very strange, and. Um, you know, reading that Time article and, and hearing more about this, the, you know, Brian Cashman had been talking about, hey, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Judge Cashman, Yankees Cash, uh, Cashman and Judge all on the same page with how those negotiations went down, what was being released, all those things. 
And when you read the Time article, you you see otherwise that that Judge is um, you know was taken aback by the way that it was handled and was not not happy with. And that gives you flashbacks of you know the Jeter contract and when things you know how things uh, uh, you know matriculated with with the the communications between those two. That's where it takes me back. And someone's just not telling the truth. But at the same time, the Judge knew that. He had to have known that they were going to counter. That was very clear. This was like, give us the opportunity to um, match or beat or whatnot. Just give us the opportunity to do that. So I always thought that that was understood with with judges camp and with the Yankees camp. So if that was understood, why were the Yankees freaking out so much? Understanding that you know they they should have felt good if if the relationship had gone the way that they had said it was. That that Aaron and his camp would have come back after a. A, an offer from the Giants, and it wouldn't have just been accepted. So that's what's confusing me, I guess, is that there seems to be a breakdown in communication between the judge camp and the Yankees at some point. And, you know, when did that happen? Or, and, and how did that happen? Because, you know, something this, 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 uh, this big of a deal to the, the franchise, the fans, the individual, uh, you know, people involved, you would think that that would be as tight as humanly possible. Yeah, well, I have an answer for that. Um, they uh, judges can't never told uh, the Yankees that they were going to be given the final chance of matching whatever offer he got. If he got, I don't know, five hundred million from the Kansas City Royals, and he decided to to take it, like they, it was never ex- expressly told to the Yankees that like you will have the final opportunity to match. That's why they were freaking out because they thought. Well, if he has four hundred million dollars on the table, right, he might just take it, and, and we don't have any opportunity to have our final words. That's why everybody was like getting on the phone and like trying to like, hey, like you know, we love you, we love you, we want you, we want you. Um, that's why it was like almost uh, like a panicked state from everybody inside the organization because they they weren't told that they were that they were going to have the final opportunity to match in in regards to. Um, Cashman revealing the offer. I wasn't covering the team at the time. Um, I was only, I mean, I grew up in the Bronx. I, I grew up a Yankees fan. So, I mean, I remember watching that press conference um, before opening day. Um, but since I've started covering the team in August, like even talking to people behind the scenes in the in these past few months, from my understanding, it was explicit, explicitly told to Paige Odell, Aaron Judge's agent, the week prior to opening day, we are going to tell the public about the offer. We want to be as transparent as possible. We want to make it clear that we are trying to re-sign the most popular player since Derek Jeter. Um, to Cashman's, I guess, like bewilderment is the fact that like th- these conversations did happen. Maybe they did not happen between Paige and Aaron, and maybe that's why Aaron was confused about like why it was released. Cashman doesn't know; no, nobody in the Yankees knows. They were, they were, and that's why they were very confused about like the Time article about Judge saying like he was um, taken aback or caught off guard by the fact that it was released publicly because you know these conversations did happen at least according to the Yankees, um, and I mean. I know for a fact that the, the conversation did happen. Um, so, but between whether it happened between Paige and Aaron, I have no idea. So, when when they saw the comments in the Times story, when they saw that like he had dreamt about 
playing for the Giants. This article comes out like during winter meetings, which is obviously a, a pivotal point in the offseason. I think Aaron and his camp played free agency perfectly. I think you're right. To be honest with you. Um, the video comes out during like Thanksgiving. I think it was Thanksgiving of him like walking off the plane and like saying like, Oh, like why are you in San Francisco? Yeah. It was like TMZ judge, or like, something caught him. Yeah. Right like and judge, judge winks at the camera and like judge is an extremely private guy, mm-hmm. extremely private. Um, I, I thought that like was, I mean, I thought it was a performance act. Um, and then the time story drops like during winter meetings, these quotes come out like, man, like maybe he's actually thinking about leaving San Francisco. In the end, Judge and his camp had all of the leverage in the world. He had 62 home runs. He is a cash cow for the Yankees. He is the number one marketing guy in baseball. You can't lose someone like that, especially if you're the Yankees who are so obviously devoted to their history. You can't lose someone who is very likely going to end up in Monument Park one day and is very likely going to end up in Cooperstown. Like You don't want that guy having nine years of his career in San Francisco and he goes into the Hall of Fame with a Giants cap on his plaque. So like you, you have to, if you're the Yankees, like you have no choice. You have like nine years is a, is a, a long time. A long time for someone who's had several injuries a long time for someone who we haven't seen before at, at his size perform well. You know, he's gonna he's he's on the wrong side of thirty. But if he's as good of a player as, as he's been, you know, through thirty five ish, thirty six, then that's the price to pay to get, you know, five, six years of like really, really good performance and you have to maximize that window to, you know, win a title, which they haven't done so far. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I was talking about this after I think it was 2017 when they put in the judges' chambers. As soon as they put in the judges' chambers, I was like, "You lost all of your leverage just now. Just now, you lost all of your mm-hmm. leverage come this this uh, this contract negotiation because this that type of gimmicky stuff doesn't happen with the New York Yankees. It doesn't happen at Yankee Stadium, and it did. It did happen. And when when the fan base is this deep into it, you know, uh, a talking point that I that I kept bringing up about the contract is like, at what point? And does it even exist? Is the delta between any other team's contract offer and what the Yankees would need to put on the table? At what point does that delta become too big? And I don't think it does because of all the things that you just said, because of the legacy piece, because of the Yankees um, off the field, because of the, you know, the capabilities to to make money in the marketing side. I don't think it's too I don't think it would have been uh, a, a number too big, to be honest. I think they were pot committed. They had to do this. And from what you're saying, it sounds the Yankees did make it clear that they would, they would if if there was another offer that they would like to be um, uh, talking to the camp again and say you know either either match it, beat it, or whatnot. But what you're saying is that the the judge camp never really reciprocated that that intent to to um, to give you know the ability to do that. But the Yankees were pot committed. They they had to be. They really did. They had to be. Um, so I think the whole fact that this thing went down the way it did is, is you're right. Judges camp was definitely playing this nice, like that time piece coming out when it did, that's not a coincidence. Uh, you know, the things that were probably said in there, probably not, not a coincidence, you know, making sure that the, the pot was being stirred and he was really making people sweat a little bit. So, I mean, (laughs) I, I appreciate that to be honest. Like I appreciate the way that he did it. I appreciate the way that he took control into his own hands after, after the season that he had. 
And and to add on to that is like he played it perfectly, but then even better is the fact that the Padres were willing to go ten years and four hundred million. So now like the fan base is gonna be like, Wow, like this guy is extremely loyal. He he got a nine year deal with us and he left forty million dollars on the table. He's extremely loyal. So like again, it was everything with it is perfect um from judge's side. And I mean, like the Yankees had to do what they had to do. Like how Steinbrenner was like, you know, screaming from the mountains that like we are going to resign this guy pretty much no matter, no matter what. So they, if, if there was a scale, like a leverage scale, it was at a hundred for judge and zero for the Yankees. Cause like they just had to do whatever they, they needed to do. And this is what they, they had to do nine years, 360 million. And now he's the, the highest paid player in the sport. So, do you think that the Giants was ever were ever uh, like a true consideration for a Judge in the camp, or they were or really just being used? And the story that went along with the Giants and Aaron Judge, obviously in that article, was just like doubling down on on Hey, I will, I will leave, I will go. This is the place that I've been dreaming about as a kid. It does seem very orchestrated, um, but I'm just I'm wondering if you had a, a sense that it that it was actually real. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll ever know like the full story because i mean just speaking from speaking with giants people uh, at winter meetings like they were very much led to believe that he was very interested in in signing with them um none of his actions none of the conversations they felt were fake or or forced but again, like it's free agency and like a player's trying to get as much money as possible. I think anybody can, can say whatever another team wants to hear. So I think like, I don't know if we'll ever know like the full truth. Like, yes, the Giants were, they were led to believe that they were very much in the race and very much had a chance. The Yankees felt like the Giants had a chance and, and they felt like they were very much in the race, but as far as like what was in Aaron's head, he's very um, calculated when it comes to speaking publicly, especially with the media. So I, I really, I, I'm when he ends up having his press conference to you know announce the deal, I, I still don't know when when that is exactly going to be. I'm very interested in hearing like how he answers the question, which he's going to be asked, like how seriously were you considering other teams? I, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's already planned how he's going to answer that question. But as far oh, yeah. as like, if if we'll ever know the truth, I have no idea. No, we're gonna have to wait 20 years for the 30 for 30, just like Jeter did. I mean, he's he's Jeter 2.0. <laughs> exactly. You know, he he exactly wh- whether they have a relationship or not. You know, um, at this point, he's clearly watched and and studied the way that Derek Jeter handled being in New York handled with the media because there are so even just the way that they the, the you know the, the rhythm and the way that they talk is is similar um so mm-hmm. you see a lot of a lot of things that 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 are coinciding so yeah 20 years from now when uh when there's a when there's a, a documentary made about Aaron Judge hopefully we're talking about a couple championships um maybe then we'll find out the, tr- the true story when the book um, all right. So obviously the Giants had had another uh, a plan B here. Uh, we saw Carlos Correa just signed a 13-year deal. Massive, massive. We're seeing this across baseball now. Um, Correa 13, Bogarts uh, 11, Turner 11. 
you know, you go back to Trout and and Bryce Harper, you're seeing these longer contracts. Um, do you do you think this is something that has changed in in the minds of front office personnel and the way that they're handing out these contracts? Does it have something to do? Is it directly affected with how the CBA is? Um, uh, the new CBA has changed how they're, you know, how they're thinking and 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 what the tax res- uh, restraints are um, with the different thresholds. But curious as to why you think uh, these these longer deals are are happening more consistently now. I, I definitely think for it, it has a lot to do with tax purposes. And so if you're stretching out, so what did Korea get? Thirteen? Am I am I right? Thirteen or eleven? Thirteen. Thirteen. Um, and he got three hundred and fifty million dollars. So, like the teams are able to, you know, cut down a little bit on the AAV, and you're able to, in some in some cases, avoid higher luxury tax thresholds. Yep. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, and then in some cases, um, like I've I've just had a conversation with. Um, a front office executive about this um, this past weekend. A lot of the times, teams, like I was saying earlier in the interview, like if they get, in Judge's case, if they if the Yankees get like six really really good years, then they'll just worry about the the rest of the contract at, at a later date. It's it's a lot of the times with with these big contracts, these teams are are trying to win now. The Yankees are wanting to win now. The Phillies want to win now. The Giants still have some moves to make, but you know, obviously, like they're trending toward like wanting to win now. So these teams just have to get something done, and then they'll worry about the consequences in eight, nine years. In, in like Trey Turner's case, for example, they'll worry about that at that point. Maybe they they go down the route uh, where you know they DFA a guy and they eat, eat the the rest of the contract, but. I think a lot of these teams are operating under the mindset of like, we want to win a championship. Like for the Mets, for example, their their payroll is like a billion dollars. They'll they'll just worry about the consequences later on, and in the meantime, everything that we're trying to do now is about winning a title. So I think for for um, these teams, I think the one of the primary objectives with it is trying to lower the AAV so your your luxury tax commitment is, is lower and then worrying about the rest later. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. 
But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. If you, if you can get a championship out of that first four or five years of any of these contracts, the back end of it is a much easier pill to swallow. But in order to get that four to five year uh, window opened with a highly competitive team, you have to pay for at this point, the way that the market is dictated, you know, nine, 10, 11 plus years. And now you're, you're playing the Bobby Bonilla game of, uh, you know, spreading this thing out. Um, but it also, like you said, it, it attacks the, the AAV. Ilya just dropped me a note that um, Carlos Correa's AAV because of the, the 13 year deal is only 26.9. Uh, yeah, so that and, and, that's, and that's and that's great for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Now it is right until they're until they're paying that you know in in ten uh, right. years and they have to deal with it. So it's a matter of of getting the getting the championship and really going in and that, that's that's what's crazy to me. And and when you're when you're looking at all these these big contracts and understanding that you have to win in the first half of that contract, even even before that. You still have to double down. You almost have to double down and spend even more money then, so that that mm-hmm. that the team is reflective of a championship caliber team in those first four to five years. But yet you're paying for the the largest portion of it for ten, twelve. It's it's mm-hmm. not great economics, uh, especially you know with the the chances of winning are, are still um, relatively low. But it's it's definitely a big risk, and a lot of these guys are now. That's what it's taking to sign them. I mean, these guys are the majority of them are now signing these very long term deals. Um, and I know there's opt-outs in some of them. Boris has been putting opt-outs uh, in in some of these deals so that they have an like Correa had an opportunity to hit hit it twice. Like he did very well. Um, but yeah, do you, I mean, do you see more of, of this this trend uh, of of the long-term deals continuing on, or because um, we we saw a little bit of the opposite too? Even when I know he's not playing, but Trevor Bauer, or we saw some of the older pitchers. These guys are coming in mm-hmm. almost like mercenary contracts, like old Darrell Rivas contracts, where you're just going out with you know a short-term high AAV. That's the f- complete flip side of what we're seeing. I don't think it's going away. I don't think the long-term deals are going away anytime soon. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens next off season when uh, Otani is a yep. free agent. Um, if people think nine three sixty for Judge is crazy, I'm I'm very interested to to see what Otani ends up getting because he pitches at a Cy Young level and he's obviously an MVP candidate at the plate. Um, so I I don't think that these long term deals are are going away anytime soon. Maybe a player um, like what uh, Correa did last year with the Twins and signed a one-year bloated deal 
Um, and then he hits free agency, you know, the, the following off season. But I think um, players want security most of the time. And if you have 11 guaranteed years in some cases, like Turner and, and Bogarts with the Padres, um, Harper with the Phillies, like having security for that uh, long of a time is, is very, very comforting sometimes sure. because like if you you know if you get hit by a bus you're still p- getting paid for the next 13 12 11 years or whatever it is so i think i think um sometimes agents and players value long-term security over the higher dollar amount per year so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but i don't think it's going away anytime yeah soon. even the braves you look at the braves they they, they took a, a similar approach to this but they're targeting guys who are still in arbitration younger guys who are you know will have another opportunity when they get into their uh, i think most of them some of them are in their, in their late 20s early 30s for another contract but they're 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 essentially mm-hmm. buying out their arbitration years and 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 you know securing them for an additional four to five i mean that's the braves have the ability to compete now with these young guys for you know five six years their window is 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 huge it's a big window because they can also add you know higher price free agents guys who are more veteran players but they have this nucleus of guys that they that they wrapped up and and really secured with these longer deals um so yes yeah, smart and, uh, smart baseball smart management that they're doing over there too it's a good point you mentioned with the braves because um uh, before i was covering the yankees i was living in atlanta for the past eight years but okay. So a lot of my friends are Braves fans and a lot of them were like asking like, why would these players, Acuna is getting like a hundred million dollars over the lifetime of his, of his contract. And he's obviously one of the better players in the league. Like why would Acuna take a hundred million dollars or why would Ozzy Albies, I think he's getting like around 50 or Michael Harris is getting 72. Like, why are these players doing this? Like they, they would ask part of it is because again, like what I was just saying, it's the security. Like you don't know if, uh, like if I'm a player and I just had a great year and the Braves want to give me a hundred million dollars, that's generational wealth. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could possibly get more money if you waited. But again, if you have a debilitating injury or your production just falls off a cliff or whatever it might be in a, in a Cunha's case, like he tore his ACL or whatever. And like who, if, if he didn't bounce back and wasn't the same player, is he going to get, the the money that he would have gotten when he signed who knows so a lot of the times like these players also realize that it's never a, a guarantee that you're going to perform at the at the the same level that the contract that is sitting in front of you says a hundred million dollars because who knows if that's going to be there when your arbitration is over in, in five years so i think i think it's probably a case-by-case basis but a lot of the times, again, I think a lot of it has to do with I have guaranteed security for the length of my contract. Yeah, and kudos to the front office guys who, especially with the Braves, who are reading that situation, understand that that uh, you know three of those players, at least three of those players, there might be more that I'm missing in my head, but uh, would be open to such a contract because you know that's mm-hmm. that's not an easy conversation to have. I think, especially with uh, when agents get involved because they understand what's happening there. So you you, you have to have that good relationship and be able to uh, really facilitate those conversations. You're um, right; it it, it, it changes uh, not only the player but their a lot of the people around them. All right, before we get out of here, uh, Chris, really do appreciate again, man, uh, you coming on and, and, and sharing your, um, your insight on these things. Uh, Carlos Rodon, 
still very much rumored to be the next uh, the next guy to to hopefully drop for the Yankees. Um, what what's the latest that you're hearing? Where it seems like it's a good fit, and it's a matter of them just figuring it out. Um, but how close do you think it is? I've been led to believe that uh, when it's all said and done, that you know Carlos will be a Yankee. Um, I. I definitely think that it's going to happen at some point when I have no idea. Um, what I was told this past weekend is the Yankees didn't want to meet Carlos and Boris, who's his agent at seven years, which is what Carlos is, is looking for. The Yankees would prefer if it was a five-year deal or even a four-year deal in, in, in an ideal world, which is probably not going to happen. But so there's there's obviously a, a difference there that they have to cover, whether it's you know a five year deal and an option for a sixth year, whether it's just six years straight up. Um, I, I just don't know if the Yankees are going to be very comfortable at seven years. I know they want him, and maybe they just decide you know whatever. Like in, in the same instance as as Judge, they, you know they go to nine years. Do they want to go to nine years? No, they didn't want to go to nine years, but they had to do it. Um, I don't think it's the same case just because of what judge means to the Yankees and you're bringing someone in from the outside. Um, he has a lengthy injury history. I think there's certainly uh, risk involved with bringing him in. He's been great the past two years, but if you look at just everything that he's that he went through prior to those two years, it's not very encouraging for long term. Um, but with that being said, he's been simply one of the best pitchers in baseball over the past two years. Um, you know, if you want to put him in, in the Garrett Cole category, like he's up there, like just from pure statistics. Um, so I think he would certainly fit in with the Yankees. I think they want to get something done. Um, I know they want to get something done. It's just a matter of like, are the Yankees actually willing to meet Boris's and Rodone's asking price? And that's where the, the negotiation is right now. I, I do think when it's all said and done, they will both agree. Um, I've been told that Carlos wants to be a Yankee, but he also wants to be paid as as such. You know, there are other teams who are involved. Uh, now that Minnesota has lost out, I know they were interested even with you know Chase and Correa, but now that they, that's off the board, maybe they put more resources in trying to get an ace for their staff. I've heard the Cardinals have been involved. Um, so there are other teams involved, but you know, when it's all said and done, I do think that um, he'll be a Yankee. I just don't know when. Well, that's good. I, I hope so, too. I think he's a very good pitcher. He's, he fits what they need. Um, we don't know what Montas is going to be. He could be, yep. if, he's the, if he's the guy that, that um, you know, came over and his damaged goods, then, then you know, obviously we, we don't know what he's going to be with a full, with, with another, with an off season coming into camp. So my, I'm, I'm optimistic in, in how he can be, but there's definitely smoke um, with him as far as the, the injuries go. And, and, and that's a bad look. Yeah, it's, a, and- it's a bad look considering how they got him, when they got him and when his injuries were, you know, prevalent as well. It's a bad look. So um, they need to lock up that, that the top of that pitching staff. And I, and I, I asked the executive I was I was speaking with, like, is starting pitching like really like a big need? Like, why would you commit two hundred million dollars to Carlos? And what he was saying was exactly what you're saying. Like, they don't know if Frankie is going to be the Frankie that he was in Oakland. 
what they saw this year was uh, concerning. They're still concerned. Um, Severino, like who knows when he's going to be able to give you hell, even like 25 starts a year. Um, that hasn't been done in a few years. Um, they, they definitely wonder about Nestor and if he's going to be able to repeat similar production and performance. Hasn't really done it before in his career, but he was obviously incredible this past season. So they do have you know some concerns with just the state of their rotation. I think it's a good rotation, but again, if you can add someone like Rodon to the mix and, and pair him with Cole at the top of your rotation, it, it alleviates the stress of the other guys. Like you, you know, if Severino can give you 25 starts and when he's healthy, he's obviously got number one stuff. And then if Nestor repeats, you have him at, as your number four guy or even number three guy. And if you get similar production, that's incredible. And again, if Frankie is the Frankie that they thought they were getting um, from Oakland and you have him as your number five, we're talking about having the Yankees having one of the best rotations in all of baseball. So that is the thinking behind, you know, trying to get someone of Carlos's status rather than like going out and signing someone like Correa or, or Dance because they do believe in, in their young prospects. Yeah. Or even the backup uh, options that we're hearing, I think Heyman was floating out, Evaldi as a backup plan. That will not sit well with many Yankee fans, I can promise you that. No, uh, it, it definitely won't. It, it, yeah. it certainly won't. And I also think like if you're if – you're, if the fallback option is Evaldi, you might as well have just kept Tyone and, and at, or yeah. at least given him the qualifying offer. And if he left, then so be it. You have at least some sort of compensation. So. Right. I think once they decided that Carlos was their guy, like I, I, it's kind of similar to the judge thing. Like now Carlos knows that he has some leverage because of how badly like the Yankees want him. So I, I think, uh, again, I think in the end he will be a Yankee. It's just a matter of when and how that process ends up unfolding. You mentioned the, the young guys at shortstop. We have a whole off season. I think to talk about, about them and speculate a little bit more, um, uh, left field is probably the the one big area that the Yankees still need to address. Uh, Benatendi came in at the deadline, uh, obviously didn't stay healthy, but I think was the right type of player. It was the right fit for what they needed. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Sometimes that happens. Um, it, you know his his uh, his contract and the, the market for him probably set by by Nimmo is a, which is a similar player to Benatendi, and I think was probably an option uh, for, for the Yankees before he had signed with the with the Mets. But what do you see happening in left field? Um, do you think Benatendi is going to be you know too rich of a contract for them to go after? Uh, because, the, again, I, I just go back to the fit. The fit is right. Like I like the player. I like how he fits into this lineup. I like how he fits into this team. Um, I'm just wondering if he's going to be too, too much of a, a commitment for this Yankees team, uh, for this Yankees front office to, to commit to the guy like that. Yeah, they, they definitely want to bring back Benintendi. They realize that they need more contact hitting. They they were missing Benintendi and, and DJ LeMahieu in the playoffs. They do believe they and this is both publicly and privately, they like it, it's not lip service. They do feel like they would have been a different team yeah. if both of those guys were healthy in the playoffs. Um I agree with that. Obviously we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen made, lip service from these guys. We've seen lip service for the past three years. We've seen lip service. This year, it was the same. It was the same 
thing, but it was actually right. It was actually true this time. Like if they had stayed healthy on paper, they were a much better team. The whole Montas situation, I think, was completely botched uh, based on the injuries of last year. I mean, that I scratched my head looking with with what they saw, not and and not expecting an injury to happen. But if if you look at the guys that they brought over, like I thought the deadline was successful. I thought they did what they needed to do. They brought guys on, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out with with health and and some other options. Um, so I'm glad that that yeah, I agree. It's, it's mutual. I'm, I'm glad it's mutual, and, and they are they're talking about bringing. Um, ben Attendee back. Are you hearing that from Yankees? You're hearing like a positive mm-hmm. outlook from the Yankees uh, front office around Ben Attendee specifically? I don't know if about positive. I mean, I think they are what's the word I'm looking for? I think they're encouraged about um, bringing him back. Cautiously um, optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. I think that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I mean, like they do want to bring him back. They they do think that the fit is, is right. Um, some of these contracts, like, again, it, it could get expensive. I don't know if, like, they would be willing to give Benintendi, like, five years, $100 million. Um, but if they want him back that badly, it's the Yankees and, and they can afford to do so. I just don't know if uh, they want to do it that badly. But they, I know they would like to bring him back. I think it, he's one of those guys, it's probably going to have to take the right price he's not someone that they're just going to be like here's 150 million dollars like we love andrew benenson it's just not right. gonna work like that yeah um if if he doesn't come back uh, you know i think they would be comfortable with oswaldo cabrera getting an everyday role i know they really love him especially with, like all the scouting guys think that this guy's makeup is is excellent it's just a matter of like getting him more professional experience. Like this guy wasn't playing the outfield in, in the minor leagues, and he came in right. and was a stud, especially in right field. Left field, it was it, it was you know we saw a little bit of you know uh, like this guy doesn't look like he's played that much. I mean, he made some good plays, but you could tell he didn't for, have the reps in left field. You could just tell he didn't have the intuition yeah, like he, the same way you felt in right. Yeah, right. So I mean, I think they would be fine with it. It's not ideal. Um, and then I think the third option would be someone like Mike Conforto taking a risk there. Obviously, he missed all of last season with shoulder surgery. Um, I've heard that it's possible like he could get a, a two-year deal with the second year being an option. Um, but plan A has, has always been bring back Benintendi. They want to bring him back, and they, they, they view him as someone who could be the leadoff hitter, could be the number two hole hitter. Um, and that's the kind of player that the Yankees need right now. They need more contact hitters, and Benintendi is one of the best ones in the game. Cool. I love that. I love. I'm, I'm glad you're hearing the same things that I want to hear. So that's good. To, that's that's good, man. Um, Chris, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Welcome, welcome to the beat. I know you you, you came on uh, later in the season, but welcome. Uh, you're a, you're a Bronx guy, but. Yeah, man, glad to glad to see you here, and uh, looking forward to to reading more stuff. Um, you had mentioned something to quickly. Talk I know if you want to tease an article coming up. Uh, you mentioned that you're going to be talking with judges hitting coach, so I'm I'm excited to to read that. Yeah, uh, speaking with judges hitting coach, um, really interested in just hearing the path that judge took to become the best hitter in baseball, probably the best hitter since. Barry Bonds, um, obviously one of the best seasons that we've seen in, in recent modern baseball history. 
I'm just interested in hearing like the the changes that he's made with his routine, how he's become an everyday player, which is something that was a big concern for a lot of people, the Yankees people included. I know fans for sure. Um, oh but yeah, he was I'm, striking I'm out a fifty percent clip in 2016 coming up. I mean, he he made a dramatic change in his swing, and it's funny that you mentioned the word path because. That's that was a lot of it, you know. His path, the, his swing path, is just the, the whole thing. I mean, you'll 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 definitely get a lot of this coming from uh, from talking with him. But it's it's interesting. It's really yeah, interesting. It's, yeah, and now he's like a three fifteen hitter. I mean, yeah. he's not just a home run guy. Like he's mm-hmm. an, a really really overall just incredible hitter. So I'm interested in hearing what he has to say. I'm, I'm not sure when that story will come out, but sometime soon. Great. Well, look forward to uh, to reading it when it when it does come out, Chris. Again, thanks, man. Uh, for coming on, uh, everybody, if you want to follow Chris, uh, he's on Twitter at Chris Kirshner, um, K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R. Chris, thanks, man. Uh, we will we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.